Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. I uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 16th. 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in today, and I'm going to do my very best to make it informative uh, in a market where there's a lot going on, a lot of uh, interesting stories, uh, what's happening in China with Evergrande, as well as the commodity space, uh, and just the the broad market in general, and and the stimulus packages that are working their way through Congress, tax uh, reform, just a lot happening and a lot of different um, wins that you need to consider, both positive and negative uh, in different sectors and in the economy as a whole. So I am here to help you unpack it all and give you some perspective. And I'm going to do that with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And this is my assurance to you that whether I'm talking about a particular stock a sector, a strategy, I'm here to present it all without bias. Just to hear, just here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me, a lot of data that I'm looking at, and then using my 20 plus years of investment perspective. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or if you're listening after hours, no big deal at all, our Invest Talk Voice Bank is open 24-7-365. So you just have to give that number a call, 888-99-CHART. Leave a message or talk to me live. We would love to hear from you. Your calls are vital. So let's go to our first listener question now. Hi, Dave from Cleveland. Yeah, I love the podcast. I listen every night. My question is, it's been mentioned numerous times on the program, BHP Group. I own it uh, long-term and... I'm looking at acquiring some more, but it, the price just keeps on dropping. What's the price point? I should uh, pick up some more. Be looking forward to your answer. Thanks. All right. BHP has come down. A lot of this has to do with uh, dual listing structure. There's a, a complicated spinoff. I still have not wrapped my head fully around this because it is fairly complex. Now, technically, it, it is it has hit some support here. Uh, but overall, I don't see it as uh, really overvalued or undervalued. It's not gotten to a point where it's super cheap. $58 a share, now fair value is right around this level, around $60 a share. So I just think there are better opportunities in the commodity space. A lot of large, diversified uh, commodity players in the world that are doing much better, much better technically, don't have this this weird structure change. And so uh, I'm just holding off on BHP. It's not something I would be picking up quite yet until you, you finish with this dual listing and there's more clarity around uh, that business and that ownership. So uh, I like BHP on my watch list, but I'd be a little more patient. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this statement. Bond quality is closely linked to yield. 
and we're going to look at strategic beta corporate bond funds and look at their process and how you can potentially apply maybe one of these funds as well as their strategies to your overall corporate bond exposure. We use some of these uh, factors as well, and I want to just give you some perspective there. Also, let's touch on a recent fraud uh, in the cryptocurrency space, sentenced to seven and a half years. I really want to talk about this because this is a new area, and there's also potential for new fraud, and this is one of them, and it's always interesting to see what type of angle these fraudsters take with a new market, which crypto clearly is. Also, cannabis. Cannabis stocks, are they finally left for dead? Going to dig into some statistics and maybe now's the time to get interested now that nobody is pretty much interested. And then lastly, some economic indicators to follow that are very, very important. So that's what is on my mind today, but ultimately, I need to know what is on your mind. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's look at the market today. S&P was down seven points, very, very modest down day after a really red morning. We sold off for most of the morning and slowly rallied throughout the day and closed just down modestly. If you look at the NYSE, that closed down 50 points, about 0.4% or so. Really not a a big down day there either, although we did kind of close weak uh, the last hour. And then the NASDAQ, you had the NASDAQ that was actually closed slightly positive, 20 points, once again, rallied through most of the day. And really still not a lot of follow through from yesterday's technical bounce. That's what yesterday was. Nice reversal candle, nice reversal day. Uh, but I didn't see any follow through, even though we closed positive on the NASDAQ. The, the broad indices, NYSE, Russell, S&P, all closed negative. So I'm not seeing this as a follow through day. More of a pause day, indecision, still kind of now in a neutral stance in the uh, short term with uh, the, the big sell off from Friday. Haven't taken back those levels on any of the major indices and what you know do we break lower from not yesterday's lows but the days before the uh tuesday's lows and if we break that then a more protracted sell-off could be in the offing uh but if we break above monday's highs then that will probably show that we're we're still in this bull market and liquidity is very strong so uh kind of neutral in the near term now we're moving into a quick break, uh, but I'm here right now taking your calls live. This is Invest Talk, 99 chart. No two investors have an identical portfolio, so each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time 
the Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Summer is fading fast. The fall season is just around the corner. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk. 888 chart. Let's go to Corey in Ohio looking at Newmont. Hey, Justin, how are you? Doing pretty well. You own Newmont or are you looking to buy it? Yeah, I own it. It's less than 1% of my portfolio, and mm. uh, I'm looking to add more to my position. Uh, I think gold's going higher. Um, I guess I wanted your thoughts on the company, but then, you know, I'm doing my research and I'm seeing things like Morningstar giving me the, the bear case for gold at like $1,300 an ounce. And what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, clearly the prospects of Newmont are going to ebb and flow with uh, gold prices. And, you know, you had a pretty decent down day in gold today and that brought the miners down. Uh, but gold prices are still fairly elevated. Uh, you know, the biggest worry here is technically you're starting to see um, this really test major support. And it, it's kind of a do or die over the next uh, couple weeks for the gold uh, market. Now, sentiment is pretty poor. So that's a positive. Uh, and the fundamentals of Newmont still remain very, very strong. Revenue up 30% year over year last quarter. Earnings up 159%. Yields 4%. So it's to make $3.58. Uh, uh, next year, that's up from two sixty six last year, a dollar thirty two in twenty nineteen. So really, the, the, this is like a growth stock now, and this is one of the the largest, safest, most diversified gold miners in the world, and has a strong history of uh, of strong management and execution. And they have gold mines here in the U.S., Australia, Canada, Ghana, Peru. Mexico, Argentina, Dominican Republic, etc. So uh, if you're looking to add, if you're looking for exposure to the gold market, this is probably one of the, the safer names, even though gold miners are, are notoriously very volatile. If it's only 1% of your portfolio and you feel like you do have a, a long-term view on gold, that's positive. Uh, this is an area that you definitely want to be adding to it because it is uh, cheap at these levels and into major support. Thanks for the gotcha. call, Corey. Thank you. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this statement. Bond quality is closely linked to yield, and this is a, an analysis of some some beta, what do they call it, strategic beta funds, corporate bond funds. And one of the issues with kind of index bond funds in general is they do a couple of things. They, they weight the... They weight the bonds as a portion of the overall index, and a lot of that has to do with the size of the bonds outstanding. Well, that means the companies are bigger, but they're also means they're more in debt. So that's one of the issues. And if you look at active bond funds versus passive index bond funds, I know you probably don't know this, and it probably will shock you, but most 
active bond funds beat the index tracking bond funds. Everyone says, oh, you just index. Well, in the bond market, that's not true. Active is usually much better. It's more it's more of an illiquid market. It's easier to find better opportunities than in the, the the stock market. And therefore, there's a lot of inefficiencies in the corporate bond market, especially uh, in the bond market in general, that you can squeeze out. Maybe not in the treasuries, but in any anytime you're taking some sort of credit risk, there's a good chance that a good active manager, the PIMCOs of the world, for example, can go in there and find the best opportunities within that particular space. And so let's, uh, let's look at what they do. How do these strategic beta funds operate? And what lessons can you take from, from your to, to implement in your bond purchasing uh, strategy? Now, the first thing is that there's a couple of screens that you have to look at, quality and value. Now, quality refers to the tendency for security issued by these companies to, with solid businesses to outperform securities issued by companies with less solid businesses. Basically, it's meaning companies that are higher uh, have a better business, they have a much higher chance of paying you back both interest and principal than those with a less solid business. That's pretty obvious. Now, the quality bonds is usually closely linked to yield. The better quality, the lower yield you're going to get. But credit ratings that you see from these rating agencies tend to be a lagging indicator. They're always, uh, for example, they just recently downgraded Evergrande, which for uh, many years has been on a slide. And they've been downgraded over that time, but now they're in technical default. And that's when they finally downgrade the, the bonds to D. They don't do it ahead of time usually. So... Using credit ratings is usually not the best way of going about understanding the quality today. Okay, so because the bond prices typically will drop well before any downgrade. Now, a bond quality is one from a company that, or a quality bond is one from a company that generates excess cash relative to its debt serving debt servicing costs, meaning it has good cash flows and consistent cash flows. Now, value refers to buying a security that's cheaper than it probably should be, meaning the market is pricing a higher risk of default than there really should be. So screening for the quality of that business and finding a dislocation is what an active manager, what we do for clients, to find that extra yield without taking undue risk. And so that's, those are the two screens. Now, you can look at investment-grade bond funds. And they will do things like push aside the issuers who have the lowest operating margins or the highest leverage, meaning the most debt on their balance sheet in relation to their assets. And so there are screens like that that can exclude a subset of bonds or companies that you don't want to own. Then we do things like that. And some of these strategic beta funds do that automatically. Now, that the good thing is, when you do that, you have less volatility, less potential for defaults, but you also have less return. So balancing those is very important. In the investment-grade market, it's pretty efficient. Now, in the high-yield market, once you get below triple B, that's when the market tends to be less efficient. Why? Because it's less liquid, less money sloshing around in that part of the market. And 
it can be easier to find good quality yield, especially kind of in that double B, double B plus, which, you know, we can, we operate sometimes and still get very, very high quality companies with good yield. So understand those are the levers you can pull within the corporate bond market to get that above average yield. And there are vehicles for that, or you can do that yourself, or you can hire somebody like us. Now, I will be answering an Invest Talk iTunes review question coming up, but now we're heading into a break, and I'm here. I'm ready to answer your finance and investment questions at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hey guys, uh, Luke from New York, longtime listener. My question is on URNM, exchange traded concepts, North Shore Global Uranium Mining ETF. The stock jumped up recently to 98.37 cents. I bought in, averaged about $50. It's a, I want it to be a long-term hold for me, about five years or so. I uh, just wanted to get your opinion. Any advice is appreciated. Thank you. Have a good day. Are right, looking at URNM? Bought around fifty. Now it's at ninety-five and change at the close today. That's how fast this has moved. It's doubled in uh, less than a month here, and this is on the back of what we've, I've been talking about for a little while now. There's uh, now a, uh, a vehicle in Canada. It's a Sprott Uranium Trust that is buying up a lot of the above-ground supply of uranium and it's kind of squeezing the market higher. I think we hit $50 a pound on uranium uh, just uh, the last couple of last 48 hours or so. So big, big move from uh, 20 and change just a couple months ago. And URNM is a good way to get broad exposure to the space as a whole. Kazataprom is uh, one of the, the largest uranium miners in the world. And they're the top holding about 14%. Kamiko in Canada is the largest uranium miner in the world, about 13%. So you're, you're gaining exposure to those large producers as well as a lot of uranium exploration companies that maybe don't have a lot of revenue and they'll move a lot both up and down. So you should expect a lot of volatility. Uh, I still think there's more room uh, to go in uranium. I think this story is new. Uh, I think the... Fuel buyers, which typically 80% of the buying market, are just catching on. And uh, they might want to get ahead of this and try to buy up some supply as well. So I think there's still a lot more room to run. Now, you should expect some volatility. Like I said, it's gotten ahead of itself, doubled in less than a month. Often there's uh, a bit of volatility. It was down today, $2.81, about 3% or so. Minor down day there overall, considering the recent move. So uh, I'm fine with it. I think uh, I think it's good. I would continue to hold URNM. Let's go to Ken in Texas, looking at AT and T. Do you own it? Looking to buy it? Well, I did own it, but it's a falling knife that's about cutting my fingers off, Justin. It seems like, but I know y'all held it too. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on it? Are y'all still holding it? Or are you 
are you looking down? I noticed that they're projecting after the merge or after the spinoff, it's going to be about two fifty a share. Is what they're thinking earnings will be, and that cash flow will drop from about twenty eight billion down to twenty. And I'm wondering, what do you think about AT and T? Yeah, I think this is actually a great buying opportunity. We have been uh, picking up some more shares recently. And the reason I, I like it is I think this merger is a smart move. Uh, refocus their business. They got uh, uh, their, the business combination, the spinoff uh, that you'll get a share of, uh, I think is also good with Discover and Time Warner and combining uh, those entities. I think that's, that's a positive. And a lot of there were a lot of sellers because they're going to cut their dividend, but they're cutting their dividend because they're spinning off, like you said, a large portion uh, of their business, and they need to right size that dividend. So there's a lot of you know, dividend aristocrat funds that have to sell, et cetera, because that dividend cut. But it's still going to yield even uh, after after this decline. It's going to yield somewhere close to five percent, which is still very very good. So uh, to me, I see this as a lot of forced selling over the past few months that is giving uh, you a buying opportunity. But you have to understand that this is going through a transition process with that spinoff and that merger and uh, act accordingly. So um, don't get, uh, d- don't worry about the, this, this recent downturn. If you're a dividend investor, yes, it's been cut, but it's still going to be uh, pretty healthy. And overall, uh, entity between the two will be much stronger. So great question. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Ken. That was T-A-T-N-T. 8899 chart, 8899 Give us a call, but let's, tw- let's turn to an Invest Talk review question. And just a reminder that if you do leave us a review on iTunes, we will get to your question a little quicker. Still love the calls. We will also get to all those as well. So either way you reach out is good. Cool ETN says, love the show. Learning a lot. What are your thoughts on SQ? I've owned it for a few years. Looks like it might be time to take profits. Well, what's interesting is that the the growth side of the market has certainly weakened uh, recently. SQ has gone sideways since early this year, since February timeframe. It's basically flat. And earnings next year is supposed to make $2.30. It's over 100 multiple from where it is now. The technicals are definitely weakening. It's growing nicely, but I do think it is overvalued at this valuation of $116 billion. So uh, while I like the company overall, uh, this would be an area that I would be taking some profits. Our fair value is closer to $100 a share. Now it's at $255 a share. So you can see that level of overvaluation in our mind. No, we could be wrong, but that's what uh, that, that's our, our valuation on it. So yes, I do think now is time to take some profits and probably have an out on that 200-day moving average which is currently at $237 a share. So if it breaks below that, I think the downtrend and maybe the revaluation lower is probably on. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. Is the stock market undergoing a slow motion deterioration? One analyst thinks yes, and is citing seasonal weakness, uncertainty over a COVID Delta variant, and rising labor and material costs. Steve will break down that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, 
Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Saeed in Oakland looking at Snap. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Saeed? Yeah, I'm here, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a question about uh, Snapchat. Uh, I see the fluctuated between like 73 to 69. So I wonder what would be a good uh, price to get in. I want to buy Snap. Well, first question is why do you want to buy Snap? Uh, because the Snapchat is a good company and it's been growing the last couple of quarters. And uh, I think it's going to go higher. They have good earnings every quarter. Okay. Well, that's an interesting take. They, the good thing about Snap is, yes, over the past four quarters, looks like they have been profitable all four quarters. Their revenue is growing. They're getting a better uh, – they're better. They're monetizing their users better. I'll say that. Um, the issue I have, though, is it's still just uh, a poor return on, on capital, uh, negative free, free cash flow, negative operating cash flow. Its share count continues to march higher. And I just don't think it's a, it's a great valuation. Now, technical, technically, it looks fine. You had a big move back in July, and it's been consolidating that move ever since. And so technically, it looks just fine. Uh, so to me, this is more of a momentum play because the only thing that I'm loving about the name is, are the technicals. The fundamentals just really aren't there, especially at these valuations. Uh, you know, Yes, it's been growing. Uh, but it hasn't been growing to a, a point where they're they're that profitable, and then you have potential for regulation uh, that are going to be more focused on the Facebooks of the world, but that would probably bleed into Snap's business as well. So I just don't like the valuation enterprise value to revenue of thirty four times, just way too high for a poorly for a non profitable company. Um, so. I, I'm not a fan of it, but technically, this is where you want to buy it if you believe in the story, you believe in the company, you believe that they can grow in this ma- into this massive valuation. I personally don't, but technicals look good. Thanks for the call. Now, let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hi, Justin. It's me. This is Christian calling from Long Beach. Just wanted to get your take on Raytheon Technologies, symbol RTX. I know a caller had a question around Lockheed Martin. Just wanted to get your outlook on this company and see what I should do with it. I'm up over 35% in terms of gains, so just wanted to see what I should do with my position. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. This is Raytheon Technologies, and this is one of the largest diversified aerospace and defense industrial companies. I know that they have a big defense uh, business. 
Now they have they're separated into four segments though. It's not entirely defense, engine manufacturing. Uh, they have Collins Aerospace. So they have some aerospace uh, business. Uh, looks like they have some government IT contracts, which are, are good because I do think there's going to be more spending on the IT side. But they also produce integrated defense and missile systems, which I don't think are an area where we're going to spend a ton more uh, than we already do. So do I like this better than a Lockheed? Probably. But it's still not a, a cheap valuation, and it's now in a downtrend below really all the major moving averages. Enterprise value EBITDA is 17, which if you go back historically, this tends to trade closer to five or six times on average over the last 20, 30 years. Even, I know interest rates are low, et cetera, but still the multiples are high for where it normally trades at. And the fact that military spending is going to have to come down. We just pulled out of Afghanistan and talking about pulling out of Iraq, other places there, there's the, the Congress is already looking for places to uh, reduce spending or increase revenue to pay for more social programs and green uh, infrastructure and regular infrastructure, et cetera. And I just don't see this as a place to grow and, and have my money invested. So I'm passing on Raytheon. I really don't like it. I would uh, I like it better than, than Lockheed, but that doesn't mean that doesn't say a whole lot. <laughs> so uh, I'm not a fan of the fundamentals or the technicals. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 We have about 20 minutes left in the show. Now, I want to highlight a recent sentencing of Stefan Quinn, 24 years old. This is in New York, and he was found guilty of fraud, of defrauding $90 million and siphoning money off from its accounts to cover a lavish lifestyle. And he ran the Virgil Sigma Fund, and it was uh, basically an arbitrage fund, at least that's what was, it was touted as, in the crypto space. And they said that it had wonderful returns, but it imploded in late 2020 because they didn't have any money left or much money left. More than 100 investors in the fund were scammed. A net $65 million were lost. And the receiver, the, the, the court, could only locate about $5 million left. And this is along the lines of a recent trend. The FTC said consumers reported losing nearly $82 million to crypto-related fraud in the fourth quarter of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021. That's more than 10 times the amount during the same six-month period a year ago. So it's just explosive growth in this space. That's why there's more regulation. These fraud cases are exactly why the SEC and other parts of government are looking to put some regulation around these funds, these strategies, these brokerages, because it's the Wild West and there's no consumer protection. And that's why you're seeing the cases of fraud go up a thousand percent year over year. So just want to give you a heads up on that and another example of why if you're going to dabble in that space, you definitely want to be careful. Now let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our 24-7 voice bank line at 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, Justin. Hi, Steve. I was calling about ticker symbol SVSW. Looks like a mining play as far as precious metal, silver, gold, palladium, also uranium. So I was wondering about it. It's got a PE of 3.28. So I was just thinking about it as what you guys thought of as a commodities play and also as a play on uranium right now. Thanks. Look forward to your answer. All right. This is... Sibbins Stillwater, and they are out of South Africa, and they have a diversified business of uh, gold, as well as, let's see, what else do they have here? It's mainly gold. I know that. Let me look at the diversity. I have to look into this, uh, the diversity of their business, but uh, I do know you're right. They do have um, uh, a, a diverse business overall. I'd have to really dig into this more, but uh, yes, I do like this name. I like the fundamentals. Revenue up 98% year-over-year. Earnings up 204%. So it's to make $4.39 this year, $3.55 next year. On It's a $13 stock, and it has hit support. Basically, today, we are at support. So uh, if you're looking to get into the space, definitely a higher-risk name, but into some major support, the 100-week moving average, the 618 retrace, uh, the, the breakout area. There's just a lot lining up here technically and fundamentally. So I, I like this uh, name. SBSW is the symbol. Now, summer is all but over, and soon we'll be entering the fourth quarter. And that means you're probably looking back on the year, trying to figure out, did I, what, did I do well? Uh, what is in store for next year? Do I have a plan? Not just for your portfolio, but your overall investment picture. And that's what we help clients with at our company, KPP Financial. So if you need help uh, in understanding your investment strategy, but also understanding your financial plan, we do build those for clients as well. And that's where we operate our company, KPP Financial, out of Irvine, California, with the mission statement, independent thinking and shared success. And we do that by practicing unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and parallel investing, where we implement the same strategies for ourselves as we do for our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of this offer for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, Steve and I encourage your calls anytime, 24-7. So please tell your friends about Invest Talk as well and tell them to give us a call and leave a message on our Invest Talk voice bank. So we're going to answer one of those questions next, but stay with us. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 88899 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Longtime listener here from Minnesota. Love the show. Thank you guys very much. 
I have a quick question. I've been following a stock for a while. Um, UNP is a ticker symbol, Union Pacific Railroad. I've uh, watched it go up $230, and now it's pulled back to around $200 or 202 I think it was today. I was wondering for long-term hold, would this be a good buy point now since it has had a good pullback here in September? It's in transportation. I feel we'll need that here in the future to get our goods and stuff across. So I feel it would be a good stock. And then with it coming down in price, too, would that um, send the index or yield payment, I mean, higher on it or the dividend payout? So I don't know if that would make it a better time to pick up or not. Thanks, and have a good day. All right, this is Union Pacific, and yes, the dividend yield will increase as long as, if the price continues to fall, as long as the dividend stays steady. So, uh, yes, that that there is a correlation there. Uh, it is in a downtrend, though, and that, it is a bit worrisome. And for everyone else, Union Pacific is a hundred and thirty. $2 billion market cap company. It's one of the largest railroad companies in the U- in the world, and it spans across 32 Western U.S. states. Currently yields about 2.1%. Their business was struggling even pre-COVID, and, but recently, last quarter, earnings up 30%, sorry, revenue up 30%, earnings up 63% year over year. A lot of that is poor, ba- uh, is our low base effects, but uh, the end all be all is that earnings expected to be expected to be eleven dollars and twenty eight cents next year, up from eight dollars and nineteen cents last year. Although analysts are starting to downgrade that estimate, and that's probably why you're seeing a bit of a roll over here. Now, the bigger question is where is the fair value, and where is support? Well. I will say it is coming up to support right around the two around two hundred dollars, but I think the major support level is going to be closer to that one eighty two level, one eighty two, one eighty five, somewhere in there. That would be uh, pretty good support, and frankly, that's right around our fair value. So I would be patient on it. I don't think the the dividend is going to be cut. It's it's a good business in a uh, in a strong financial position, but the fact that it's in a downtrend worries me. And the fact that it's still not cheap uh, after this recent drop. So I would be patient around 180, 185, somewhere in that range. I would love Union Pacific, but I'd be a bit patient here. Now, let me get to another iTunes review question. This fellow also asked about SQ, which I covered, but this question wants a comparison. I would like to get your take on the best way to invest as a core holding in a position, SQ. Um... Vanguard, S&P ETF, or RSP? Hmm. Okay, so looking at RSP, or I think it was asking about SPY, actually. So that's, so S, sorry, RSP is the equal weight S&P 500 ETF. And the equal weight is, so let's back up. The S&P as a whole is a market cap weighted index. So the largest companies, your eighteen, sorry, your your Apples of the world, your Googles of the world, your Amazons of the world, they're going to be the largest component of your portfolio if you're just owning SPY, the S and P, or any S and P index fund. RSP, however, says no, we're not going to weight the holdings by the size of the company. We're going to weight it equally, meaning every company within the index is about 
3% of their overall index. So it's equal, all 500 companies. And longer term, that actually is a better strategy. Now, you'll have quarters, months, weeks where large caps will outperform mid and small caps. And in those times, the normal S&P will do better. But risk-adjusted, the equal weight will do better. Now, you're going to pay a, a bit higher of a fee for that, uh, about 20 basis points on the RSP versus the SPY, for example. Let's take a look at that. I believe that is, let's see what that is, 0.95 basis points. So you're paying basically double the fees, but you're probably over the long run going to make up those fees and then some by a much, maybe not much higher, but a higher return. So if you're willing to hold through a, a bit more volatility on the RSP, that is a better way to go. Now we're heading into a final break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced, or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go, let's go talk to Abihayat in Fremont looking at J-Bill, J-Bill Circuit. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Yeah, uh, it looks like a, uh, always uh, going up, so I wonder whether there will be some limit to that or not. Well, this is uh, J-Bill Circuit, and what they do is they're a contract manufacturer uh, company, and they have two segments. Where one is focused on leveraging IT, supply chain design, and engineering, centered on core electronics, and another is providing engineer solutions with an emphasis, emphasis on material sciences, technologies, and healthcare. Uh, so this is a company that historically is very profitable, consistently profitable, not a huge grower, I will say that, kind of growing in the high single digits, uh, mid, uh, low teens over the past decade or so, but they're consistent. I like that. Return on equity over the last decade has averaged somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 12%, which isn't great, but it's solid. I like that they're buying back shares. 2011, there were 221 million shares outstanding, and those shares outstanding have dropped every single year. And I like that. I like that they're using that free cash flow to uh, buy back shares. They pay a little bit of a dividend, half a, half a percent yield. Uh, it has had a large run from its March lows of around 18, Mar last March, $18 a share. Now it's at $63 almost today at the close. So it, it's a good company. Uh, it's in a strong uptrend. So I don't see anything wrong chart-wise, although there are a bit of minor divergences on some of the indicators, but nothing that makes me too worried. I would say it's about fairly valued now, so it's not undervalued or overvalued. Uh, you said you own it? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I would only trim it if it's too much of your portfolio. What percentage of your overall portfolio would you say it is? Oh, not much, actually. Just a little bit, uh, maybe... Uh... Uh, one or two percent, yeah. Okay, then that's fine. There's not you're not overweight or anything. Uh, I would just be holding it 
it, it unless it breaks the hundred day moving average, I probably wouldn't be too worried about it. It's a good company. It's buying back shares, get a little bit of a dividend. It's growing nicely. So I, I would I would be fine holding it. Thanks for the call. Thank you. 8899 chart, 8899 Now to close the day, I want to highlight a few indicators that I'm watching going into the back half of the year to figure out whether uh, this seasonal period is going to turn into more volatility or is it just going to be something minor like we've seen over the past week or so. The first thing I'm looking at is consumer confidence. And this has come off in a big way. And typically, historically, Consumer confidence is highly correlated to the stock market. Why? Because 57% of U.S. households own stocks. And if they feel less confident, then they're going to probably sell some stocks, uh, not invest more money. Uh, and, and that correlates with economic activity as well. So can the market keep going up if consumer confidence falls? So is the recent dip in consumer confidence a one-off thing or will be their follow-through here uh, this month? So something I'm definitely watching. Number two, ISM manufacturing index, also correlated with economic activity. If the ISM index is slowing while stocks remain strong, that's at odds with earnings and economic activity trends. And that can only last for so long. So will there be a bounce back in ISM uh, the ISM manufacturing index, or will stocks come down to meet it? That's one question I'm looking for. Another is the percentage of stocks trading above their 200-day moving average. That peaked actually in the first quarter of this year and has been rolling over. Now, it's not gotten to a point that's screaming sell, but is it going to improve or is it going to continue to deteriorate in the final quarter of the year. Number four is looking at the advanced decline line that peaked in June, especially if you look at the NYSE advanced decline line, which is very broad. It shows waning participation in this market advance. And then lastly, credit spreads. They haven't blown out, but they're not tightening the way they were early in the year. And so if they start to deteriorate further, you're definitely going to see uh, a sell off in the market. So putting all this together, it's not showing that there's an imminent sell-off, but definitely some antennas are in the air that uh, showing some defensive action. And so we, these are the things I'm keeping an eye on to see whether we'd be more aggressive to raise cash, uh, etc. Now I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 30. 4 million downloads. Get your get your episodes anytime on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you do leave a review and you ask a question, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. 
For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.